W. Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. Specializing in metal parts, machining, and fabrication since 1960, Girding Enterprises has excelled in the machining process. A truly American company, Girding Enterprises has gone from one-man shop in a basement to a world-class machine shop with over 20 employees. We strive to uphold the highest level of quality while constantly improving our efficiency level in order to offer the most affordable prices to our customers. Visit us online at girdingent.com or give us a call at 636-274-9802. In October 2019, Arlington, Texas was chosen to be the home of a new national museum, unlike any other. The National Medal of Honor Museum will be a unique home of military history. The 100,000 square foot museums will house exhibits, archives, and artifacts relating to the 3,500 U.S. troops who have been awarded the medal, the nation's highest honor for valor in combat. The museum will have 31,000 square feet of galleries dedicated to U.S. troops who have received the award. The museum CEO, former Navy SEAL and NASA astronaut Chris Cassidy said the museum will focus on education as much as preservation. The building will have five areas dedicated to Medal of Honor winners from the Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard. The main gallery will be located in a central plaza under a 25,000 square foot slab of steel which will appear to be suspended in midair. It will be supported by five pillars. Black Rifle Coffee is a corporate sponsor of the museum, as are the Dallas Cowboys. The museum's board also includes over a dozen major corporations and six Medal of Honor recipients, including David Bellavia, Patrick Brady, and Britt Slabinski. Army Staff Sergeant Bellavia was awarded the medal for clearing an entire house by himself on November 10, 2004, as a squad leader in support of Operation Phantom Fury in Fallujah, Iraq. He killed four enemy fighters and wounded a fifth in close quarters battle. Army Major General Brady flew and coordinated the evacuation of 51 seriously wounded men during a firefight in Vietnam in January 1968. Slabinski, a Navy SEAL chief and team leader, led a rescue team of SEALs during Operation Anaconda in Afghanistan in March 2002. Slabinski and his team flew to a mountaintop ambush site to rescue Petty Officer First Class Neil Roberts, who had fallen from the back of a helicopter. Slabinski led the team through almost constant combat against an entrenched Taliban force. Along with the board members, former presidents Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama serve as honorary directors. The museum is expected to open to the public in late 2024. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. We are a show. Founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with the Misfit Nation. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on, 
and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. All right, welcome back, y'all. It's been two weeks of pre-record hell on Misfit Nation. Due to our day, our day gig, keeping us on the road and also going to Congress to speak on Veterans Affairs. But man, we're back tonight. To all the fathers out there, happy Father's Day. To my dad, the torch. You were the biggest influence in all of our lives. Thanks for all you have done and continue to do for us as you still mentor us whenever we speak. Happy Father's Day, Dad. As we tell you in the intro, you are not alone. If you need to talk to someone, they will listen to keep you here. Today, the Misfit Nation was informed of the loss of another warrior. He lost his battle with the demons and is on the other side now. Command Sergeant Major Paul Barton was an EOD legend, a leader, intelligent. He worked in the field for well over 20 years and still worked in it as a civilian after he retired. He uh, just retired a few years ago. He leaves behind loved ones and a long trail of those he has mentored. Command Sergeant Major Barton, you will be missed and we will see you. Till Valhalla, brother. Now, our next guest. Swap military marches for marketing metrics as an Army veteran turned CEO of Lean Labs. The mechanics, they are the mechanics under the hood of B2B tech and SAAS companies turbocharging their websites and marketing strategies. So without further ado, let's welcome Army veteran Chris Dubois to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Chris. How you doing? Hey, good. How's it going, Rich? Good. I'm glad you got on. I'm starting yeah, to work much there. Last minute. <laughs> yeah, nothing like bringing it in at the last tail. That's good. Yep. Uh, but I gave a little bit about you right there. A happy Father's Day if you are a dad, Chris. Yeah, uh, you too. I gave a little bit about you, basically a two sentence blurb about you there. If you don't mind, jump in there and uh, tell the Misfit Nation a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Uh, I mean, pulling from that. That's small bio. So uh, Army veteran, spent seven years active duty. Um, I am now in the Army Reserves. I've been there for four plus years, major now. Um, when I came out, started working at a marketing agency. Uh, worked my way up as a marketer, got up to uh, CEO of the company. And just recently, I've started uh, doing a lot more leadership coaching. So, Outstanding. Yeah, uh, so you continue to serve a... Uh, 
I was just with the reserves in California for a big exercise out there. Uh, a beautiful uh, Fort Hunter Liggett for the last uh, hmm. nine days almost. It's a beautiful time out there to, with the reserves, watching them go get the reserve rust off yeah. them, get the reserve yeah. rust off and become soldiers again. It's it's funny watching it happen and watching them actually become soldiers as they go through the week. But uh, I'm sure you see it every uh, mm-hmm. every month and then, of course, on your yeah. routine. <laughs> every battle assembly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I told them too. I said, I know you guys don't have a lot of time, especially battle assembly. By the time you get going, it's time to go home on Sunday mm-hmm. and start to think about it again for the next month. So yeah. that's all you guys do the reserves. It's it's a lot harder than the active duty. Well, and that's a crazy thing. So the unit that I'm in now is the first of the 304th. We're a drill sergeant unit, right? So oh. we have we have drill sergeants. They supplement the active duty um, locations through the summer. And uh a couple of years ago, I'd gone down and down to Fort Jackson, met with you know our counterparts who we were going to be supporting, and they they were talking like, "Oh, so you guys can like handle this by next month, or you know whatever." And it's like, man, our, this event is in six months, and we're only going to meet for twelve days before <laughs> like we have twelve working days, you know, for to figure this out, and like they just kind of don't don't notice that part. Like it is hard to uh, get everything together, but yeah. Yeah, it's very hard to grasp that from if you've never done both sides, it's like you have right. done both sides. So you you've seen the the fast pace of active, and then probably tried to do the same thing when you went to the reserves, and that yep. walk kind of smacked you and said, "Whoa, yeah, ease up, boy, ease up. <laughs> uh, come back to reality and do it our way." Yep. So now you're on the outside. Uh, you do, but you wear two hats now. So you you run your you have your own business, and did you always want to start this business, or was this just something that kicked in while you were serving? The uh, leadership consulting yes. has, man, so when I was a platoon leader, um, right, awesome time. One of the best times you can you can have as a, an officer in the military. Um, but uh, I did really well. I got pulled up to be uh, the battalion adjutant. I feel it was a punishment. Battalion commander said it wasn't. Um, and he, he just wanted me to continue working with him so he can, can kind of keep building me up. Um, so I started getting, I went from having, you know, just, perspective of my platoon to having the entire battalion and now it's it's like whoa i'm seeing things you know from a different angle and i started realizing there were leaders who were doing awesome no matter where they went they were just crushing it and then we had other leaders who were not crushing it even in the first place um and so i kind of was you know taking notes what are they doing that's different um as i went on through my career doing the same thing now even with like corporate america like i'm seeing it happen but i, I realized said for some reason people think that if you have a leadership style you can just show up and that's your style put it in play people are gonna do what you want them to do um rather than showing up and having everybody else kind of you know show you what they need and then you shape yourself in order to to be that best leader for them so that situation is always going to be different right the team's always going to be different and uh and so yeah starting when i was in the army it's like man i I could go show people this this one lesson and it would help them substantially. And so now I'm just doing that on a much uh, larger spectrum. And so much larger scale now, yes. Yeah. You talked about a dynamic leadership. Explain to the audience what dynamic leadership actually is. Yeah. So it, it basically what I was just getting after where it's it's the idea that every situation you're in is going to be different. You're never gonna walk into uh, a team that's the exact same as another team. Right. Because it's full of individuals. Uh, those individuals are going to act differently with other individuals. And so you have to look at the team. Uh, there's just so many different facets of like 
variables that you need to be able to take into consideration. And so showing up, believing that you have that one true method of leadership and that that's going to solve all, your, all of the problems, uh, it's, I mean, it's never going to play out the way you actually want it to. And so through dynamic leadership, um, we basically train adaptability, the ability to come in, to build awareness, um, to know how to use communication, how to build trust so you can establish this culture uh, you know, within your organization that actually helps you achieve your goals. And you're going to show up and you're going to be the leader that is actually necessary for that specific time, that specific place, that specific mission. And, uh, and now you're actually able to show up and, and execute. And so. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, that's, I mean, it's something we learned. Uh, I learned in the military is that mm-hmm. you can't do the same thing with the whole platoon. You can't do the same thing with when you're a squad leader for every person in the squad, it doesn't work. Not every, no two people are the same. Right. It's if you don't adjust, you get adjusted basically. And uh, you wind up pushed out the door or you wind up finding another way in life, uh, either being a warrant officer, where you don't have to lead or do something else. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, it's, you see some people who say like, when they're a staff sergeant running a squad, they right. take those same same exact lessons and they become a first sergeant and they're running a company as if it was a squad. But it's like, you can't do that. You got to have more, like, you can't control everything. You have to have more of the command presence and, like, give guidance and let them figure it out. Um, and you can kind of see which leaders are successful by the ones who are able to understand that and just sit back and, and change how they're approaching, you know, that challenge of leadership. Definitely. And, uh, it's always, it's like, that's a great uh, thing you brought up there about the company leadership. I just watched one of my, my former soldiers just took a, over his first song of a company out in NTC and to see him grow from when I met him as a young E5 in Kandahar, Afghanistan to where he is now, right. how much he's grown in that time since uh, 2010 to now and seeing all the lessons he learned and how to do things and what he's applying now and what he's just pushed to the side of what I don't need anymore. It's yeah. amazing to see that growth and I, I love watching them all grow and do that stuff. Yeah, it's awesome. So someone, a listener posted a sound imagine is called so we can see if you do that funny walk, run. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you still know the adjutant call and run, walk, run when you were the adjutant. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, got to, uh, I got to dodge that. So, <laughs> so I'm yeah. sure it's something that gives you a little twitch if you had to do it, but since you dodged yeah, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you mentioned we both just talked about one mistake most leaders make uh, when they move around from mission to mission or work company to company, uh, corporation to corporation. What are other mistakes that leaders get wrong on a pretty much a regular basis? Man, there's a, that's a loaded question. There's so much that we could uh, we could unpack there. Um, man, some of the simple. So a lot of it comes down to awareness, right? Just just knowing what's actually required of you right now and just using that awareness to be able to prioritize, do the things that you need to be doing. Um, I like, I look at everything on um, like a spectrum. So we, part of the um, training, I'm going to pull up a note here, but some of the, some of the training that I do, um, we focus on what I call leader marks where it's like, we have these different variables and you, so you approach each situation different. So like if, if I know I need to be, uh, communicating clearly right now, right? Is it, do I need to be more open or more reserved in this communication? And depending on what that situation needs, I might need to change how I'm actually showing up. <clears throat> a lot of leaders will like, I'm sure you have seen, especially 
for any sergeant majors listening, I'm sorry, but this is this is for you. They say, all right, I don't have a lot to say. And then they talk and talk and talk and like they go on, right? Because they want to be be able to like share whatever message. But very frequently, that's not actually what's needed in that time. Like a lot of it's actually going to uh, probably make the soldiers resent being in those formations more, right? Like doing these things. But it's the same in corporate America. We can even shift to there, right? If they you're sitting around at a meeting and someone wants to just keep that meeting going so they can hear their voice. You're like, what? No, please stop. Uh, this probably could have been an email. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's like one, just having that, that awareness. They seem to not have it. Um, a huge one is taking your, your company culture, right. And thinking that you're not responsible. Like it's just going to, it's going to shape itself. Right. Not taking like a deliberate action to to shape your culture to what you actually want, because that's like the one thing that a leader truly owns in any organization is the culture, because you are the standard bearer for, you know, that culture you want to create. And so the hiring, the firing, you know, making sure when someone delivers a task or finishes something that you're actually uh, you know, holding them accountable to what that deliverable is and being able to say, hey our team is better than this. We won't, this isn't sufficient for us. Um, I think actually being deliberate and knowing that this is something you fully own is uh, something a lot of leaders kind of miss the mark on. Definitely. I like that you you put the team uh, word in there. My team is delivering this. My team is doing that at our office. Mm -hmm. Now it's, we don't talk about one season, two season office. It's if all three of us are there, it's the team. Even if we're not there, mm-hmm. well, I was at 400 Liggett. The other, my other two team members were at Fort Campbell and doing great things here. And I referred to them as my team back home is doing this. Yeah. And they were doing the same thing for me for what they were doing on this side. Right. So we never talk about it's I, it's always the we. So we've learned that yeah. through time and how to get that, that message across that we are one team. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. what each person does if the whole is doing the mission and getting that deliverable delivered and making that what we're doing uh, uh, resonate to those soldiers on the other side of the podium. That's what matters to us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I'm sure that's something that you get to see as you, you bring your skills to a corporation and say, Hey, look, let's sit down. Let me, let's let me observe. Do you just go in and observe ever like you would as if you wouldn't take over a platoon and just be able to observe yeah. and then go and tell them what you think. Yeah. A lot of it's uh, more on the coaching side than consulting right now. Uh, but yeah, it's, let's talk like what are, what are your problems let me just hear how you talk about your your team right like how are you talking about your problems um how are people interacting here because we can learn a lot just by seeing like the dynamics there we can say okay well maybe you should try this because that's going to my advice for for you is going to be different than for someone else um all based off that situation um uh, and then any i have worked with some people going into a new organization and with that, it's like, yeah, take 30 days, right? Just watch, just like pay attention to everything they are doing and then make a decision what you want to change. Uh, I think too frequently people step in and they say, okay, I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm going to change everything. It's like, well, at least half of that stuff is probably working great, right? So like, why would you just step in and start changing all this stuff? Better sit back for a bit, see what they're doing, and then uh, go from there. And that's another lesson I learned uh as I was growing through the military was even if I'm coming as the, I know I'm going to take over a platoon or a squad or this section. 
Yeah. I wouldn't even talk for a few days. I'd just sit there and listen and just listen to what people yeah. were saying and just observe everything. And the platoon that this uh, show was named after, they were already deployed when I got there. So they, I had to meet them. I met them basically by accident. And, uh, it was during an attack, I met them. And that's how I learned yeah. how they flow and how to do everything. And then I was told I was their platoon sergeant. So it, it was a totally different dynamic, but I also was able to observe them first and then do it. And we were still very tight. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I would have made the mistake when I took over company command. Like I, I got pulled aside by the battalion commander uh, ahead of time. He said, hey, this is the weakest company in our battalion. I need you to really pick it up. And so I wanted to go in there and just say, all right, let's, let's change all this. Let's start new, like fresh leadership. Let's go. Uh, but I was able to sit back and kind of wait and see. And I realized like, oh, it's not the, the guys or what they're doing. It was their previous leadership was just garbage. Like they, the guy didn't actually care about them. He wanted to make a name for himself and often did it uh, at the detriment of everyone else. Right. And so it was like, so I didn't need to do anything. I just needed to get rid of, let that guy go away. And then just show up and give my guys what they needed and everything ran, ran smooth. And so, uh, but I could have probably screwed that one up if I'd gone in guns blazing. Definitely. Yes. And it's good that it's always good that we had that, I guess the voice of reason to be there yeah. to, to stop you in a, maybe correct you, correct your point of judgment right there. Check your site aperture and make you go forward. So that's perfect. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect lesson. That was a great lesson for you right there, especially to go with that. And it's also helped you move forward in both sides of your career now. Yeah, no, definitely. Because you can bring real, real life leadership. Uh, mm-hmm. What it could have been a dilemma for a leadership dilemma. And it became an actual success for you to the table. Yeah. For everyone else. No, and that one was, uh, was great. One of my first weeks there, the company was doing a PT test. And so I went down to take my PT test with them. And they're like, sir, what are you doing? What do you mean? What am I doing? I'm taking PT tests. That's what's on the schedule, right? Like, we've never had the commander take a PT test with us. It's wow. like, okay, well, now you do. <laughs> so we're changing a lot of dynamics here now. <laughs> so. Right. But it, yeah, but it just it wasn't hard to step in and shift it. So it was a yeah. So we're talking about we both talked about a little bit about our history. What's one thing that you wish you would have known before you became got thrown into that platoon that your first platoon as a leader or any leadership position? Uh, so this one's controversial. This one's I mean, this will be a military specific. We got told a lot as like lieutenant in training. Right. So I, I was an infantry officer. And so, you know, your, your training's a little different on like, you know, you get it. Yeah. Um, Every single leader that came in to talk to us when I was in my officer training course, even back in ROTC, it was listen to your NCOs, everything they say. So I was like, yeah, that makes sense. They've been in for tons of years. Why would I not do that? Right. But then I showed up and one of my NCOs was an idiot. And so like, (laughs) if I had just listened to him openly, right. I like, I guess the lesson is to, take into consideration what they're actually saying heed that advice because it is going to be generally good advice, but you still have to like actually think through what are they telling you to do? Because this one guy just couldn't, if I had listened to him, like we, people would have died. Right. Like, and so, um, I mean, we dodged that bullet, like I guess literally. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's the advice that you or probably the bigger lesson, I guess, is that, 
you can't just openly take advice without considering what act like some of the other variables of it, right? Um, it is good to listen to your NCOs. They have done it a lot longer than you have. And if you're a 22 year old lieutenant showing up, you're an idiot if you're not going to take that advice, but you're still the one who has to make that decision. And so make sure you're actually thinking through the advice. You got to think about the third order effect of that advice. And uh, right. sometimes uh, the 22 year old, uh, I guess, ambitious leader comes in and wants to take that advice and just go with it and doesn't realize what they just did and doesn't yeah. realize what just happened to their career because of that advice or to a person that could have killed someone mm -hmm. just by, by taking that advice, like you said there. And on, on the corporate side, too, if you go in and you take the advice of the old hat that's been in the corporation for a long time, yeah, you should just do this. You don't know if they're just setting you up for failure because they want you to look bad so they don't, you don't move yeah. into position at some point. So it's it's good to take a step back with a grain of salt and say, oh, that's good advice. Let me write that down and then watch what you do to see what you do, what happens when you do things. Yeah, exactly. So as you were starting, I mean, entrepreneurial, when you started the business, was there any, uh, I guess, butterflies in your stomach or anything to say this might not work? I might have to go a different direction. Or oh. you, you were all you were so deep into it. You said this is going to succeed or 100 percent success or total failure. Yeah, that's a that's a probably a constant, right? Um, the I, I have a list of rules for life that I I use to kind of follow, make sure I'm, I'm trying to be someone who lives with integrity and does all the the things that I think someone should do if you wanted to, um, you know, live up to your potential. And one of those rules that I have for myself is to step towards fear. Um, used to hate public speaking. I was terrified even speaking doing a safety brief when i was a lieutenant because the commander was out and i had to step in front of the company like i'm with these guys every day but as soon as i have to step in front of them and start talking it's like oh um but i realized you know like i'm gonna have to keep doing this so i kept stepping towards that fear um to get in front now i can talk to people whenever i can get in, in front of crowds and it's not a big deal um but yeah even going into a coaching call for the first time, it's like, am I actually going to be able to deliver something of value, you know, to this person that makes us actually want to work with me and they want to go tell their friends about me. So they hire me. Right. Uh, yeah, that's definitely, there's like, there is like a, a nerve, but I kind of lean into the the fact that it works. Like what, what I'm doing, I know it works. I've seen it work. And so as long as I can connect with a person and help them see how to do this and I can motivate them to actually put everything into play, like it should work out. And that's, <laughs> and so like, I just got to kind of cross my fingers, do my best. And then hopefully uh, everyone else kind of falls in line with that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, I like that you said that you, you used to shy away from the fear, but now you run towards it. So it's like running into the fire. So that that's a true leader. The person who will run towards the bullet and run towards the gunshots or run towards the problem at work and make sure they can tackle it and make the team work and get that problem solved instead of sitting back and say, Oh man, this isn't going to work. Let me hide behind this desk here while my guys fail and I can blame them later. Yeah. In the last three years, uh, since, uh, well, when COVID uh, exploded on the world in 2020, a lot of companies had to force themselves to let their employees go remote. And that became mm -hmm. a dynamic leadership change for a lot of leaders because now they didn't have their finger on the pulse every day. Yeah. They didn't know exactly what their employees were. They couldn't tap into them as much as they were. Did you see a change in the leadership styles for a lot of a lot of these leaders as their workers yeah. working more from home? And what were those challenges? No, definitely. So 
So the company that I started working with as a marketer when I came off active duty was is completely remote, globally remote and stuff. So I, I mean, team members on every country. I don't even think we have anyone in the same state. Wow. Um, <laughs> but I noticed like across like the world, right? As soon as everyone starts going, uh, going remote, when they were used to having everybody in office, you, you start seeing these like micromanagerial tendencies start to come out because they they were scared. They don't know, like they, even if they weren't in office, constantly checking up and like going in, like, hey, what are you working on? You good? Like they could have done that. And so having that as like safety net, right? I can see people are in the office. I assume they're working because they're here. Now, as soon as they're at home, the assumption is they're not working. And uh, and I think a lot more frequently, you're getting people who are like calling their their teams not to check in on them, but to like check up and might have those reversed. Doesn't matter. Interrupt. Uh, <laughs> you know, they were calling to like make sure they're still doing their work rather right. than calling to see if they need anything, to see if they're OK. And they, you know, that they're still doing whatever they need to in order to show up. And exactly. uh and I think that was very hard for a lot of leaders during that time. And now it's, it's becoming the norm. And so it's right. going to, you know, like with everything, everybody's going to shift. They're going to kind of figure out how to work it. Um, and then it'll be good. Uh, but yeah, it'll bring its own long-term kind of challenges, which is now, I mean, everybody being remote, how often are you actually getting together with people, real people? Humans, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's actually one of the huge benefits of being in the reserves for me right now is that <laughs> I do all this remote work. But once a month, I at least get to be with soldiers, you know, for two days and see everybody actually interact with people face to face. Hey, guys, we're alive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly what you said with the um, uh, micromanagement. I noticed right away that we were in more meetings. We were doing all these Zoom meetings or Teams Mm -hmm. meetings all the time that we never did before, even though we're situated around the country in different bases. We never did those meetings until it was a remote thing. We're gonna have we're gonna have these meetings every day. You're gonna have a meeting today, tomorrow. So I said I don't get anything done when I'm doing all these meetings at all. I said mm-hmm. my job is to train soldiers not to be in meetings. How do we do this? So it gets slowly went away where they said, okay, these guys are still doing their job. We'll let them just do their job, and we right. understand they're good. We don't have to do these meetings. Yeah, it's yeah, that definitely makes it more challenging, right? When there's <laughs> like it's like they just need to have their finger on the pulse when you could just send it like, Hey, I'll let you know if I need something. Otherwise just trust. I got it. Right. Like, let me, let me do my thing. You're paying me for this. I have one job. So I got to do <laughs> trust the process. Yeah. Here we go. And uh, I think it, it is eased up a lot now. And uh, they give us yeah. a lot more leeway now that, like you said, it, it's become the norm now, instead of this crazy new, new hotness that happened uh, in 2020, 2021, when people are still trying to get their hands on that. And now Teams is like on everyone's phone now. So it's not just on the tablet, yeah. it's on your phone. You can do it while you're in your car driving. And it's, yeah. kind, of, it's kind of crazy. And uh, it's engaging, I think. Uh, Teams is a pretty good uh, platform to work with. And it's good for a check-in, not for a, a let me see if I can make sure you're you're doing what I want you to do. Stuff. Right. Yeah. So as far as fluidity, when in the companies now, with as they've gone remote, do you see more companies growing now that they're remote, or they're kind of uh, have you seen a kind of a I guess 50 50 split between stagnant and growth? I don't know that it's had much impact. I know a lot of companies have like dropped their offices, 
right? That's overhead that they don't need to maintain anymore. So you can save some money, which means you can pay your team some more money, keep them a little happier, right? Motivate them to be able to stay with you longer. Right. Um, Average tenure for, for a lot of positions is not very long anymore. People will job hop pretty quick, looking for more benefits, a prettier title. Um, You know, they like people are chasing that type of stuff. Um, But I think overall for just company growth, it, the remote aspect probably didn't change as much as as uh, everyone probably thought it would, right? I think it came down more to the companies that were, were growing were the ones who were able to sit back, look at their current strategy, say, what is the market doing? Um, you know, what do we have to shift within how we're doing things and our offers and in how we're delivering our work and then actually leading with that in order to, uh, to bring the difference. Because like right now we're seeing still tons of layoffs uh, from big companies, and a lot of it was because they took money, from, you know, at the start of COVID, they got all this, these extra funds from the government, and they mismanaged their their funds. Yep. And uh, to me, that's a huge like it's gonna it's gonna happen sometimes, right? You're gonna have to lay lay people off. Sometimes a, a decision that unintentionally caused other consequences. Um, sometimes things just get hard. Money gets tight. You can't keep up. But if you hire so many extra people and bet on growth, but you don't start building the systems to be able to ensure you can keep those people. Now you're messing with people's livelihood. Yes. And that like that, that kind of gets at me where it's, you know, we just hired 7,000 people and we got to let them all go. Like that's 7,000 people who have to go find another job who have to go home worrying about where their kids are going to, you know, get their meals. And like, it, there's just so many, yeah, it's frustrating for me, <laughs> obviously. Oh, there's a ton of variables that go into that. Like you said, yeah. we talked about earlier about the third order effect. When you take that, when everyone took the, the um, I don't know what it was called, the performance money from the government for COVID, mm-hmm. they didn't think about that third order effect. At some right. point, it's not going to be there or you're going to have to pay some of it back and you're going to have to get rid of somebody that you hired or maybe get rid of a whole department that you have now. And mm-hmm. that's not in your mind when they take it. They're, when they take it, they're like, oh, this is keeping us afloat. This is free money. Right do this and then all of a sudden it's not free money and you mm-hmm. have to do something to make that money right and sadly it's not the the guy who took the money who gets in trouble it's the person that's on the lowest level right. of the wrong that usually goes right and hopefully those people are at least not keeping their bonuses and trying to <laughs> trying to keep some people in but um we know they- I think, <laughs> yeah there's a there's the other challenge of like the media make such a big deal about all of these layoffs, right? And then it just kept, keeps popping up because they know people are paying attention now. And so right. they're going to keep showing this. And so there are some companies who were probably on the fence of whether they needed to get rid of people, but chose to get rid of them during that window because it would just bleed into the news and they wouldn't get, get noticed as much, right? And so that actually helped some companies say, we can do layoffs and like, let's just do it. And it's, is that the right reason to, to get rid of people? Like. Um, yeah, I'm not, we're not mentioning names, so it's, right. <laughs> so it's good. Not any uh, big but, names here, <laughs> but, yeah. but we see, we all witnessed it and, uh, you, you, you all you have to do is a search on Google. You can find the names yourselves and, uh, it'll pop up or you can probably just talk to someone in your immediate circle and it, I'm sure it affected someone in your circle at some yeah. point because it, it affected not just, uh, I guess uh, those those organizations that had big contracts with government and it, it affected all corporations this time. And so mm-hmm. it, it wasn't just this this pool or this pool. It was all pools that got affected. And 
leadership has to be involved with those decisions to understand the third order effects. Yep, definitely. So if there's anything you would change uh, that you did in your before even making the decision to go military, would you change that or and just go straight to marketing and then to where you do in leadership now? Or do you think that that basis of military uh, science and then leadership as a platoon leader up to up to where you are now leading still leading troops has helped you become that dynamic leader that you couldn't even do without that? Yeah, I needed everything to happen the way it happened. Like I, I needed my first sergeant yelling at me when I was a platoon leader. Right. I needed a sergeant major pulling me into his office when I was a company commander. Being like, what are you doing? Um, it's uh, like I, those were necessary. And uh, in order for me to just keep learning and growing and then even going into marketing, like I. I don't believe I could have just left the military and gone right into leadership consulting and had the same impact because I didn't have like a lot of people try to do it. But it's like you don't necessarily have an understanding of the business world. Right, how everything works, how how the insides of a startup actually function, uh, because it is not like the military. Uh, it is probably the furthest thing from it. And so, being able to kind of understand how all of that works, but also look at how do I build a brand? How do I tell stories, right, in order to get someone to consider working with us? And then I've worked with a lot of sales teams through that. And so, like, how are they handling objections? How are they talking to people? And I got to see kind of some similarities even there with. You know, like I had, I had one NCO who he hated to walk. He would, he would find any way that we didn't have to walk. So like if, if there were birds available, right, we're flying. We're not, there's no, no rucking. And so before wow. I, before I would pitch any op order, I would say, I've already checked. There's no birds. It's like, I handled his objection before he had a chance to bring it up. <laughs> right. And so like, it was a sales tactic. I was getting him to buy in on my plan because uh, using that. But uh, but like I needed, I needed those lessons to now be able to actually deliver deliver value to um, you know, the people that I'm working with. So I have all these lessons. I have these stories. I know what didn't work for me, and it might work for you. But I'm at least going to tell you what I did wrong, so that you can hopefully you know use that and take similar to the advice of listening to all your NCOs, right? Take my advice and put it put it to play for yourself and see if it works. Definitely, and I think the more advice you get, and the more people mentoring you. You can pick and choose parts of everything they they give you. Everything that someone has taught that taught me, all my leaders taught me at least one thing that I kept with me. Some a lot more, and there's some some that taught me things I don't want to do. And just by the way, they were, I didn't want to do their things. So I always I wrote down, yeah. "Don't be like this guy. Don't be like this guy. Right. Be like this one, and this is the one you want to be." And these are the top ten things. Like you have the list of things that you go through your your rules to live by. I had a, a whole bunch of things I wrote down, uh, my, my guide to success. I even wrote a book about it to try to keep yeah. myself grounded and have rules of life and, and get forward. So all yeah. the everyone's advice, it goes in your head, but you like you said earlier, there's some you just got to uh, throw in that third can there, the, the, e, the e-file for excess and let it go and <laughs> let it get put out on Wednesday with the garbage truck. Right. So yeah. I'm sure you had a lot of that and you're still probably getting a lot of that, but now you're able to, you know, yeah. now you can tell when someone's giving you horrible advice. And, and that, that's a great thing you're telling me. Uh, I'll really look into that and I'll see you later. Right. When a lot of it comes down to like just asking, do they have context right. on my life? Right. Like, do they actually know what I'm going through right now? Or are they just offering it unsolicited and hoping I follow? Because uh, generally, once someone has 
that context, they're going to change, you know, what they're actually offering you for advice. I said, oh, you've actually already tried these things. Like, well, then, you know, don't listen to me. <laughs> um, yeah. It's hard to it's hard to let them understand if they don't know anything. If they really don't know anything about you, sometimes people just give you advice without having any knowledge of who you are, or where you've come mm-hmm. from. So that's why I asked you earlier, do you go and actually just sit and watch or yeah. listen to what they say? And that's the best. I think that's the best approach. Like you said, you sit there and you ask them those questions. What is working? What do you think is not working? And how do we, how do you think I should tackle this? And you you come up with that plan to help them out. I think that's the perfect business model. Yeah. One of the fun exercise I would recommend any leader does is go ask three questions, you know, to anyone who's following you. Say, what am I doing now that I should continue? Right. So like they'll give you some things that, that they think are great. What am I doing now that I should stop? And then what am I not doing that I should start? Right. And, and just with those three questions, you can get some really great insights from the people that you're leading and then actually, you know, take it back, do an after action review on, on yourself, like over whatever period and just, and figure out, okay, this is what my team is saying. They would, you know, they need from me or they would like me to continue doing. Let me make sure I'm actually doing these things. Right. That's a, that's a hundred, that's a home run right there. If you, if you get everything, all those ducks in a row and do that, it's a home run and uh, you'll be successful and you'll find out that the better you are like that with your, with those you lead, uh, the better they will perform and they'll respect you more that way. And you'll probably keep them around a little bit. Like you said, right now we're in a culture where job hopping is the, is probably kind of like riding a bike. Everyone has to do it now. Yep. Uh, most veterans only save their first job a year. And uh, that's just mm-hmm. Bad statistic, but it's the truth because, like we talked about earlier, not everything is military centric. It's not going to be the same, especially the longer you stay in. The longer you stay in, the harder it is to adjust to that first job. And then you have to really, while you're in that first job, really ask yourself, do I want to be here? And then I have to find this next job so I'm happy and I don't just uh, sit here and put on my thumbs because I'm just doing too much, but I don't need to be. Yeah. A lot of times, something the military does really well. Right. So we, we come in and we all have a similar set of values, right? There's the army values. We literally put it up. You learn a basic training. I can, I can go into any unit in the army and I know they will generally have those same values. The, the unit culture might shift a bit depending on how they do things right. and stuff. But like I can form a relationship with, with anyone and just connect with them. Right. Like we, that's why it doesn't matter what race you are, or what gender any of this other stuff, like you can show up and you know, you're on the same page. When you go into corporate America, most companies don't have a clear set of values that everyone in the company agrees with and follows. Um, it's really important to, if you show up and that, that is a thing, right? The, the values of the company don't align with your personal values. You, you do need to jump because something's going to happen where if, if the group says, this is how we do things, but it doesn't line up with you feeling good about how they do things. Now you're challenging your, like the integrity of the organization as well as your, your own. And, uh, and that reputation of losing integrity is going to follow you to other places, even if the values actually didn't jive, right? So like you could go to another organization where their values are perfectly matched for yours, but people are going to remember that at a different company, they didn't like you there because you didn't get along with everybody. Like you, you know, and you can say, well, it's because our values didn't line up. Uh, but if it got to the point where like you got fired or people were getting angry at each other and you had to leave there, 
it's like it's almost too too far down and so you should pay a lot of attention uh, you know when reading through the company values asking the interviews are what are your values how do those show up in day-to-day business um, and if you can get start getting a feel for that you might find like hey i can actually find a company that i want to work with longer yeah there might be some better benefits somewhere else there might be you know a cool title somewhere else but like if i'm happy here because it actually feels good to work here i'm gonna stay longer and so yeah. i want to wake up and go to this job right i'm gonna stay there yeah, so yep i don't want to just lay in bed and hope that the there's some kind of bad storm so i don't have to go to work or something <laughs> or my right. computer turn on i don't have to look at emails <laughs> but yeah that's everyone everyone thrives for that that happy spot or uh maslow's hierarchy of needs that that people mm-hmm. look for in life and you have to meet those and a title doesn't give that to you. Benefits don't give that to you. You being able to stand up and be happy every day and be kind of motivated to get up and do that stuff is, is way more important. Yep. So Chris, we talked about a lot of stuff tonight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and very quickly too. So if you, if you can give uh, advice to that young, that young leader coming up or even that, that stat, person who thinks he's an established leader, yeah. Things they can do differently now to make their environment better. What would that be? Oh, there's so much advice <laughs> um, that, that could fit. Uh, but I have to be really careful now because we talked about the dangers of giving advice without context. There you go. <laughs> um, so something that has always been beneficial for me and something that I love passing down to anyone who has worked with me is get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Like you are, you're only suffering until you apply meaning to that suffering, right? That 25 mile foot March, it sucks. Nobody wants to be on it. But when you realize you're training so that when you hit the battlefield, you can do that and still show up and fight. It's like, now there's meaning, right? Like I actually, I have purpose here and it's the same with everything else you're doing at work. Yeah. It, it, I hate having to go through X, Y, and Z in my schedule. Like it's just, you know, I'm miserable all the time. But when you actually apply the meaning to it and you realize that it's actually making you better and it's setting you up for success later, um, you're going to start stepping towards those things. You're going to step towards the fear and you're going to find your growth rate just exponentially, you know, taken off because you're going to be putting yourself in situations to that other people don't want to be in. And so everybody else is seeing that you're going to get the, you're showing your potential and your promise. Um, and you're, you're just going to be able to achieve way more than them in the long run. Definitely great advice right there. And what's the best way for someone to get in contact with you to, to either just chat with you like we are, or to even hire you to come into their company and help them yeah. out. Um, so if you go to leading you can uh, form on there, depending on what you want to uh, want to do, whether you want me for some speaking engagements, you want some coaching, uh, you want, or we can do a, uh, you know, like seminars, workshops, anything. We got tons, tons of different training that we can offer. Um, if you want to just connect on a personal level, LinkedIn, easiest place to, to find me, just Christopher Dubois. And uh, yeah, happen to talk to anyone about leadership, jump on chat. We can do podcasts and anything like that. Awesome. Uh, Chris, thanks again for making it on tonight. I was yeah. in traffic there a little bit and got here a few minutes late, but uh, it was awesome to have you on here and learn a little bit about your journey and a lot about your leadership style and what you're bringing to the table now. So it's been a, again, great chat with you tonight. I wish you nothing but the success in the, in both of both of your hats you're wearing now. So 
Yeah, awesome. Thank you. I very much appreciate the invitation, Rich. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Awesome. Definitely. Yeah. Just reach out to me. We'll do it again. Awesome. Thank you. So don't forget to pour a little out for Command Sergeant Major Paul Barton tonight and all his, uh, those who he mentored, of course, his family, his wife, uh, and all those that he has led throughout his, he led throughout his life. Uh, to Valhalla, uh, Sergeant Major Martin, uh, Barton, we'll see you on the other side, brother. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are 